0: My favorite moment. My own journey. The best day of class. And it was just such
1: an amazing experience. thus we get to know each other. It, it set me on a path. Really sparked something inside of Drive
2: me. Drive a love for seeing the professor. like really all I want to this do. is become a better me. This
1: is the coolest thing ever Things that I really enjoyed about St. Rose.
3: Hey, neighbor, come on in. Hey, we're back again to kick off season two of Dear Neighbor.
4: Yeah, I'm so excited. I just loved meeting all these folks from around campus last semester, and I can't wait to make new connections with others in the St. Rose community.
3: And I think this was something our listeners really appreciated last year, the chance to hear stories from people they might not know, but who are all part of this collective effort to create the best environment possible for student learning.
4: And I know that means a lot to us too, the chance to keep learning about how to create a sense of belonging and to pursue goals of inclusion and anti-racism at St. Rose.
3: Today, we're gonna pick up where we left off by hearing about the work of the Bold Women's Leadership Program and a very important guest that St. Rose will be hosting this fall. There's some pretty incredible stuff on the horizon. You are right, but
4: let's not let the cat out of the bag before our guests get here. Shall we get ready for them to come on in?
3: Let's do it. Welcome, listeners, and thank you for tuning back in to Dear Neighbor. I'm Liz Richards, here with my co-host, Emily Pinkerton. If you've tuned in before, you already know what we're about. We invite faculty, students, staff, and administrators to sit down and have unscripted conversations about teaching, learning and our college community here at st rose today we're going to hear from yolanda caldwell chief diversity officer and director of the bold women's leadership network and glissades eve a senior at st rose and a bold scholar they will reflect on our campus's response to the double pandemic of the past two years and their shared experiences in facilitating community conversations and structural change
4: After we hear from Yolanda and Glissades, we'll invite Heather Fronkowiak and Trisha Weldon, who are bringing our faculty listeners a special invitation to join the anti-racist faculty community of practice.
3: In other words, there's a lot of exciting conversation coming up. So let's break out the tea and cookies and sit down for a great conversation.
1: My name is Yolanda Caldwell and I'm Chief Diversity Officer the director of the Women's Leadership Institute and the Bold Women's Leadership Network at the College of St. Rose. I identify as a woman of African-American descent. I am a mother. I am a wife. I am a friend. And I think most importantly, I'm an advocate. I'm an advocate for women to have the ability to live the life that they desire. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with Busadie Z.
0: Hi, everyone. My name is Closedes Eve, and I'm currently a Bold Women's Leadership Network Scholar at the College of St. Rose. Um, I'm currently a senior, and I'm majoring in forensic psychology. I'm very passionate about victims advocacy and just supporting people in every way. I identify as an Afro-Latina of Dominican background, and I'm very excited to be here and have this conversation with Yolanda.
1: So I know some people may be wondering, what is this BOLD that they're talking about? Um, BOLD is a program for students who identify as women Um, here at the College of St. Rose. We are one of six programs in the country. And what we do is we support women in their career development journey. We support them as juniors and seniors. And we also have wonderful opportunities post-graduation to help them achieve their career goals so glissades can i ask you what is it like being a part of bold
0: so being a part of bold is um it's just a really wonderful experience it's a challenge Um, it's kind of like this invitation to work on yourself in every sense and to challenge yourself Um, you're surrounded by other women leaders that have similar goals to yourself similar aspirations and you're given just a unique form of mentorship that you wouldn't be offered, you know, in other environments. And I really appreciate that.
1: Bold is funded by the Helen Gurley Brown Foundation. And Helen Gurley Brown was the former um, editor of Cosmopolitan Magazine. And one of the quotes or one of the things that Helen has said that has really been for me, um, kind of like the mantra of which we build the program is work with the raw material you have, namely you, and never let up. How has that resonated with you as a Bold Scholar?
0: That has been very present in my experience as a Bold Scholar, just being able to ground myself and navigate what it is that I want to accomplish, how I can work on that, um, the kind of self-awareness that that requires. I feel like all of that has been very present in my experience. Um, you know, she invites us to be raw with ourselves, to be realistic with what it is that we wanna achieve. And I feel like that's exactly what the program strives to to kind of push us to do. And, and it's very just motivating. And you kind of just keep that like quote in your, in your head um, throughout the journey, just being raw with yourself, being
1: real with yourself. Thank you for sharing that because there have been times that not only do we as individuals um, have to be real with ourselves and raw with ourselves, it also happens for institutions and organizations. And, you know, I came to the College of St. Rose to be the inaugural director of the Bold Women's Leadership Network. And due to circumstances that have happened, you know, historically in the world and in our country. Um, we found ourselves at a crossroad in 2020. Um, we were here, we had just opened the Women's Leadership Institute that was named after Michelle Borizniak one of our alum who graciously donated so that we would have a space to have conversations about women and women's issues. And the country went into lockdown. Um, you know, we had a global pandemic, and in the midst of that global pandemic, we also found ourselves in a racial crisis in our country. It has been brewing under the surface and many individuals have felt it um, in their personal lives and have experienced it throughout their lives. But for this one particular point in time in modern history, it was something that everyone was experiencing. And as a result of that, I had the opportunity to support our students in hearing their voices. And I'm pleased to say that the both scholars that were um, in the program at the time really, really um, engaged and participated. One of our scholars was the president of the Black Student Union. Um, We had another scholar who was very active in other programs on campus. And they truly took a lead um, in having conversations about how to create an inclusive community here at the College of St. Rose. So Glissades, I I wanted to ask you, um, being a Bold Scholar, how has the Scholar Program supported the inclusion work and the anti-racism work here at the College of St. Rose from your perspective?
0: To be very honest, Class in Bold has been, you know, one of the very few experiences where I've gotten to um, encounter a well-rounded, proactively anti-racist curriculum. I feel like we we navigate so many topics on not just women and leadership, but the way that we as um, individual women with unique backgrounds take up space in in different professions and fields so I feel like in bold we truly um we truly navigate the topic of diversity and inclusion from every sense and from every dimension and it's very uplifting we've talked about um different points in history that Um, are essential to understanding our identities and I think that that's very uplifting. Um, I wish that you know more classes would navigate um, these topics from you know the same stance and just try to discuss you know um, diversity and inclusion more profoundly in like every profession and every field. I feel like every um, profession should be able to um, talk about talk about diversity and inclusion and talk about racial bias.
5: I know there have been some
1: programs that have happened on campus. Um, have you had the opportunity to um, share in any of those programs? Or is there one in particular that you would like to share your experience with? Some of the most memorable
0: discussions that I got to be a part of um, occurred in the midst of, you know, the pandemic. It was like you said, a double pandemic, um, not not only with COVID, but with just, um, you know, a lot of discussions on racial injustice. And I feel like that's always gonna resonate with me as like a turning point um, in the St. Rose community. I feel like after those discussions, we were able to kind of confront the discomforting aspect of discussing racial injustice. Um, And I feel like that really fortified like our sense of community. So just being a part of those discussions on Zoom um, was really uplifting. I feel like that's something I'm always gonna
1: remember. Yeah, the community conversations were um, birthed out of some of the requests that our students had about having a more um, open space. And some of our team members in student development began those conversations. And it was amazing that faculty and staff, administrators, and students all came together during those times. Even parents joined in those conversations. And um, it was a very pivotal moment here at the college um, during the pandemic. Do you think that we have space to continue those type of conversations as we are um, having more in-person programming?
0: Those conversations were only the start. And I feel like our community is definitely striving to confront, you know, issues of racial bias and striving to hear the food and body out. And I really appreciate that. I feel like um, now that we have more um, in-person encounters, I feel like this is definitely the time to... Um, you know, be creative with how we can approach racial bias, um, what programs our community needs in
1: particular, what students want to get more of. i'm I'm glad to hear you you share that. I know in my work in working with faculty here at the College of St. Rose, I have definitely um, seen some of our faculty members make the effort and to be more inclusive. One of the requests for, for students was to have more diverse representation of examples in class. So I know some of the faculty member, you know, redid some of their curriculum to make sure that they had diversity in the examples and who they um, chose to showcase as experts in the field. Um, I remember one professor even invited myself and Dr. Galen Gomes into the classroom. It was a writing class. And to talk about more inclusive writing to help the students understand how to write in a manner that was inclusive. We talked about pronouns. We talked about racial identity. We talked about um, speaking with um persons and their different disabilities and how to have that conversation. So I've seen some work take place here at the college with relationship to um changes in, in the classroom.
0: I just wanted to say that I feel like you bring up such a great point about just the classroom setting. Um, I feel like it's it's such a I don't know it's such a unique space to bring up these conversations because I feel like Contrary to like campus held events where people usually come with like friends and stuff like that. I feel like the classroom setting surrounds you with people that you may have never otherwise spoken to. And I feel like that's what presents like a really um, a really great environment to just present these conversations and to discuss diversity and inclusion and racial bias. I feel like you're surrounded with people that um, you may have otherwise never interacted with. But I think that it's really um, important that you bring up the classroom setting and how we can bring up these discussions.
1: Yeah, I know one of the other spaces, when you're in a college campus, there are many spaces that students can fill, um, you know, the classroom, student organizations, uh, students also have an opportunity to serve in leadership roles here on campus on some of the, the college's um, constitutional committees where most of those committees have seats for students. And when we've tried to recruit um, students to participate, because youth and age is also a form of diversity and having the youth voice present on committees that make policy decisions here at the colleges is very important. So I've heard pushback when we encourage students to participate that, students don't like the word leadership. They don't want to participate in activities or things that use that word.
0: I've never encountered people not wanting to attend these events and kind of running away from the word leadership. So I think it's interesting that you bring that up, but I do see how maybe it's a sense of responsibility and it requires a form of self-awareness that some of us,
1: um, you know, feel Um, uncomfortable kind of confronting. How can we, you know, help students understand that we want to hear their voice and to have them participate in creating the college that they want?
0: One example of just promoting that is representation. Seeing people that look like you in particular fields um, and industries, it really motivates you It motivates you and makes you feel like you can You can take that space as well. That can really push you to want to pursue your own leadership and develop your own career.
1: I know part of me sitting in this seat as a chief diversity officer came from students um, wanting to be heard, wanting to have um, their voices um, in spaces where they haven't been before as a student leader you are also a resident assistant you know how how have faculty administrators how have we um, supported you or students um, in knowing that they can be heard like what behaviors or words or actions have given you a clue that this individual wants to hear what you're saying?
0: There's just language that's very inviting. For example, as a resident assistant, when I used to meet with um, like the supervisor of my zone, I remember just, you know, her language and just her wanting to hear me out, wanting to hear my suggestions was really important. Um, It's important because it makes me feel like I matter and like my thoughts matter in that setting they always wanted to you know hear me out and hear my suggestions that was really important and um, I'm glad that you bring that up because I feel like on the contrary you know sometimes in in the classroom setting I wish there was more of that like I wish there was more um, you know professors asking about like what we want to to get out of a classroom um, setting about what we want to get out of the course I feel like language and just being inviting and being open to hearing the student suggestions is important and it really matters.
1: Yeah, I know that um, it's been interesting sometimes when I'm teaching the bold class and I've gotten pushback from students when I um, talk a little bit about flexibility, um, when I'm willing to you know, divert a little bit from, you know, our curriculum for the day to give them space um, to empower them to lead that particular class or to share. And I know you've been a part of some of those experiences. When we
0: did the Leadership Competition, yeah, I felt like that was definitely A space where you gave us flexibility to navigate our own leadership, you really pushed us to find out, you know, how we could work on different tasks as a group without having your guidance sometimes. And I feel like it was empowering in the sense that we really got to push ourselves and it was just discomforting. Um, at the same time, there was a lot of frustration sometimes. What that demonstrated to me is that sometimes when you don't have that guidance or that structure, um, it's frustrating, but it definitely pushes you. Um, and I feel like that's something that um, uh, my generation in particular, I feel like we're very used to having structure and just guidance in general. So when we don't have it, it definitely creates like this environment for us to to grow and evolve and challenge ourselves that's where the good and bad comes from. And sometimes you want, you know, um, structure and you want guidance, but sometimes when that lacks, um, there's a space for you to like push yourself and grow. Um, So yeah, it's like, it has its pros and cons.
1: So uh, do you have any questions for me?
0: What are some things that um, have been very very memorable in just like your strive to um, confront racial bias and um incorporate you know discussions of diversity and inclusion
1: in the college I think one of the most memorable times is when we got together and it had to be 25 different faculty administrators staff students came together to have the conversation about what we were going to do and how we were going to respond to the events of 2020. And to be in that space and to hear individuals from different parts of our community share how they wanted things to be different. And as many of you know, when you talk about diversity, the whole language is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and each one of those has very distinct trainings and very distinct purposes to achieve for an organization before this group to come together and for us collectively to land on we want our college to be inclusive and we're going to work towards inclusion was transformative you know many people talk about diversity um, and many people attempt to have an understanding of what equity is. Yet we as a college decided that inclusion was what we wanted. That's what we were going to focus on. And that was one of the most memorable times um, for me in doing this work. Um, the follow-up to that is seeing how different communities invited the team in the, the diversity office in to help them understand what inclusion meant for their department and having those conversations. And then, you know, the next level were when faculty members invited us into their classroom to have conversations about inclusion. So you saw how different individuals heard what we were saying, and then invited us in to learn more. Um, Another great moment that I remember when the Bull Scholars got together and did a session um, about uncoded bias. And they did an interactive workshop where they gave examples of conversations that took place and then discussed um, the different types of bias that showed up in that conversation and how that bias can impact um, individuals. That was a wonderful um, conversation that that we had. When I look at the work that we've accomplished here at the College of St. Rose and the work that still needs to be done, it is exciting to know that we are having one of the eminent scholars on systemic racism join us michelle alexander who is the author of the new jim crow will be joining us in october and that's exciting and it's exciting and memorable in the fact that she said yes to us Uh, we're collaborating with the writers institute and university at albany's office of diversity and inclusion it's exciting so that's you know that's a moment to celebrate But also that there are members here at the College of St. Rose, uh, faculty members who are working with us to ensure that it's not a, a moment in time, but a semester long conversation. Um, so, as you mentioned earlier, the, the community conversations and how important they are, we are going to be hosting a community conversation with Michelle Alexander. And our community has expanded to include our friends at the University at Albany, the Writers Institute, as well as the Capital Region. So those are a few memories that have been made and really, really excited about making more memories.
0: Wow, thanks
1: for sharing that. That's super exciting. Um, And I look forward to that. Yes, it's it's going to be very interesting and exciting time for us. Um, So please, you know, we hope the listeners of our dear neighbor podcast will keep their eyes and ears open for announcements about different activities that are taking place to prepare us for Michelle Alexander's visit as well as to prepare us for a post-conversation.
0: Wow, that's super exciting. Um, I feel like um something that I've noticed in like just my four years at St. Rose is just um, like you said, the fact that this isn't um, you know, just a semester long topic or issue. It's something that we hope to like navigate um uh, for as long as possible and really, you know, explore and, and dive into as much as possible. So I really appreciate the fact that over time I've noticed um just so many great events and just so much um, you know the strive to incorporate you know discussions on things that matter to us and to just hear us out I feel like faculty has just um, demonstrated like such an urge to hear us out and and just um, listen and I really appreciate that like I feel like um, I've gotten I've had so many wonderful professors that just want to you know like listen to us and and hear us out and and bring in people that we we really wanna um, just listen to and and have exposure to.
1: You know, if if I'm dreaming, if I'm allowed to dream for a moment, you know, I really look forward to the memory that will happen when, you know, we have our faculty, our staff, our administrators, you know, attend and participate in student-led events and be present, um, really take inclusion to um, the next level for us in terms of engagement and participation, because it takes all of us. It takes all of us to do that, and the framework that we have been operating under is called the Collective Recovery Trauma Framework to respond to helping our campus heal and to continue to grow, and there are three pillars a part of that framework, and it's active listening, speaking from the heart, and acting with. And as we continue to move forward as a college, I really look forward to seeing those pillars um, show up in different ways and in different communities and in different engagements here on the campus. So it's an exciting time and I, you know, I, I like dreaming about what the future is going to be and really seeing those pillars play out here at the College of Saint Rose
0: you bring up just um, so many hopes um, for just St. Rose in general and the future of like um, our student community and, and how we can become involved in, in like leading our own discussions and our own events. And I think
1: that's really powerful and uplifting. Mercedes, well, I wanna thank you for taking the time and having this conversation with me. I'm hoping that you're having a wonderful summer break. Thank you for inviting me Um, and
0: I'm a little bit nervous um, about senior year, I'm excited, um, but I know that it's gonna be a lot and I think I'm ready for it, but it's a lot of
1: um, just emotions. I'm sure, but I know you're ready for senior year because it was a pleasure working with you during your junior year and you have taken many of the opportunities that have been presented by BOLD and have done some amazing things
0: oh thank you it's been really nice just working with you um and being surrounded by so many amazing women leaders in my cohort and um it's just been really its it's been a really you know powerful experience very uplifting to be a part of bold and to be um given just so many wonderful opportunities to, to develop in my career and in my leadership skills
3: So heartened to hear Glissady's optimism.
4: Me too. I hear such a clear vision from both of our guests. They are offering clarity about where we are and who we are right now as a community and where we need to go. And there's Yolanda's perspective too about needing to be raw as both an individual and an institution yeah. to confront that discomfort and become a stronger community.
3: Our guests are also giving us an example of how students and faculty are partnering in the work of creating the college they want. They're exploring together how students can take up space and know they've been heard.
4: I hope this conversation continues to echo around campus.
3: Yeah, me too. And I hope we can all work together at St. Rose to support Michelle Alexander's visit on October 11th.
4: So exciting.
3: Oh, that's right. We have more neighbors
4: stopping by, and they have such a special invitation. Let's bring
3: them in.
2: Hi, I'm Heather Frankovian, and I'm from the Social Work Department. And I am Tricia Weldon, also from the Social Work Department. And we are co-coordinators of the Anti-Racist Faculty Community of Practice. We meet on a monthly basis
5: throughout the fall and spring semesters, with the goal to bring faculty together to keep anti-racist practices, ideas, thoughts, ways to incorporate things into academia in the forefront of all of our minds.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I found it particularly um, a great group to join. Um, We were in the midst of COVID and I really didn't know many faculty. Um, I've only been here a few years and um, spent a lot of time off campus. So it was also a really great group to join, I think, to connect with other faculty across departments and a safe place for faculty to really process through how do we do the best that we can and incorporate this into our curriculum, our syllabus, our, our classroom.
5: Yeah, I think what we've done a a good job is in including different topics, and some of them we've generated, some of them the faculty that attend have generated, but it gives us an opportunity to talk about things, gain different perspectives, think about things
2: differently. I've thought about how, how, you know, have these practices kind of manifested in my class. I think it's on so many different levels, right? This group has really allowed me to take a chance to, like, look at my syllabus in a little bit more detail, you know, how, how is material presented? Am I really, you know, being inclusive with the material that I'm using? It pushed us to continue to grow and continue to, to challenge ourselves and to learn. These are topics that really can be
5: introduced and incorporated across the curriculum, not just in social work, we've heard about it in in music, we've heard about it in history classes, in
2: philosophy classes, and and it keeps us thinking. We are really looking forward to our first meeting of the semester, um, which is going to be Thursday, September 22nd from 12 to one. And we invite all faculty um, to, to join us for that meeting. We really hope to spend some time talking about how we can prepare for Michelle Alexander's visit and um, get our get our students excited and talking. And um, we'd be happy to brainstorm as a group um, just how to um, incorporate this into our curriculum, into our, our classes. This is
3: awesome, two important invitations.
4: You are right, let's all gather on Thursday, September 22nd, 12 to 1 p.m. to talk about how we can weave Michelle Alexander's work into our
3: classrooms. And on October 11th to welcome Michelle Alexander and other community partners to our campus.
4: Oh, and before we go, I want to remind our listeners to be on the lookout at strohs.edu backslash dear hyphen neighbor for resources related to the ideas, techniques, and topics of our programs.
3: And you can find us on Instagram too.
4: That's right. Have a comment about this episode or want to hear something in a future episode? Drop us a note at our website, stroze.edu backslash dear hyphen neighbor. There's a submission form at the bottom of the screen, or you can send us an email or voice memo at dearneighbor at And don't forget Instagram, dear underscore neighbor underscore podcast.
3: Dear Neighbor is hosted by Liz Richards and Emily Pinkerton, who also produce and edit the show. Our theme music, entitled Sad at the Party, was composed by Michael Sanchez. Funding for Dear Neighbor is provided by the provost's office at the College of St. Rose. Thanks so much to our participants from this episode. In order of appearance, Yolanda Caldwell, Glissady's Eve, Heather Francoviak, and Trisha Weldon.
4: Well, that's it for today's conversation. I hope your year is off to a great start.
3: See you around the neighborhood.